Commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the Contracting Experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. This next episode of the podcast is with Captain John Deichel, who is an Air Force active duty contracting officer currently assigned to Data Collective Venture Capital, or DCVC, and Gotham's as an Air Force Institute of Technology, Education with Industry, or EWE Fellow. At DCVC, Captain Deigel executes due diligence of startups with dual-use technologies, buying for venture capital funding. In addition, Captain Deichel helps startups with dual-use technologies navigate the DoD acquisition landscape in hopes of winning contracts as Gotham's contracting subject matter expert. In this episode, Captain Deichel shares his experience in the EWE program and how he will apply what he's learned to bolster Air Force missions and U.S. national security. Welcome, Captain Deichel, to the podcast. Hey, thank you. So, Captain Deichel, you have been participating in the Air Force Institute of Technology's Education with Industry, or EWE program, for the last 10 months. Can you talk about what you were doing before the program and why you wanted to get involved in working with industry. Absolutely. So first, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak with everybody today. Uh, before the program, my first assignment was at Holloman Air Force Base at the 49th Contractor Squadron. Uh, I worked extensively in the commodities and services section. So everything from being a basic buyer, you know, punching, you know, single purchase orders and learning how to do my first GPAs all the way through, you know, being a, a seasoned contracting officer, earning, you know, my warrant, executing it quite a bit, everything from, you know, those complex services that kind of take a long time to learn all the way through, you know, the simple commodities, did some R&D stuff, you know, with the test group out there. So I really had like a really, really good, diverse litany of experiences at Hallman. You know, I learned from some incredible people there, which is kind of the whole reason why I'm here in all reality. I think about, you know, my mentors, you know, like Ms. Sally Roberts or Mr. Robert Widows, like, the flight chief and the team lead out there, they really taught me everything I know about contracting and the importance of being an officer in contracting and also being a contracting officer. After that, I did a short tour in Turkey where I ran the contingency support flight for the 39th contract squadron. So uh, I was there from 19 to 20, you know, from August of 19 through August of 20. Uh, and the big things we did there is we were surging up the the four deployed sites, so to speak. And then when the former president gave the pullout order for Syria, you know, we, we ran all the contracting, you know, to pull all of the line hall services and all of the equipment out of there. You know, it's actually funny. We, we couldn't even get, get all of the equipment onto the base with our contracts because the Turkish nationals wouldn't let us drive on because it was such a short notice uh, contract, but we ended up calling all of our, our army counterparts and they actually came out, they unloaded the trucks and, and drove, you know, the different kind of equipment right down the road in Turkey. So it was actually a mm. pretty cool experience. Mm. And then your second question there about, you know, what may want to get involved working with industry. I've always had an inkling that there's a better way to do business. And I've always had an inkling that the government is complicated. And like, I didn't really understand how complicated it was. Or I couldn't really truly empathize with non-traditional contractors vis-a-vis 
uh, startups or venture capital, things of that nature. You know, the people, the non-traditional industry partners that we have, like I, I didn't understand fully how different their world is to ours. But I, but I but I had an inkling that like there has to be a better way. There there must be a way for us to move faster and be more efficient and more effective, and you know ultimately build the defense industrial base. But so I figured EW is probably a good place to learn. Whether I'm learning from a big company, a new company, you know something. I, I just knew there was something out there, and I didn't know enough context to know, you know, all the things I know now. So really, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate that the program worked out for me because it's been a huge huge experience in my life, not only in professionally, but personally as well. For sure. Um, so with that said, what organizations have you been working with during this time and what type of work have you been doing? So for me, I have a really unique position. Uh, it, like I said, kind of in the non-traditional defense industrial based sector. So I, I have three primary roles at two different companies. I'll kind of explain my way through that, but, it, but it's a little complicated. So I'll take my time. So role one is at Data Collective Venture Capital or DCVC. DCVC is a venture firm that invests in paradigm shifting technologies early in the startup stage. So think about really before the product or the company has built the product and is generating money, they're kind of in the process of developing um, their product or service. That's when we invest in DCVC. So I'm an analyst there. So I kind of look through any of their you know, dual use capable technologies and think about, okay, does this make sense for the government? Is there a real use case? What's the value proposition for, for the government because ECVC or any venture firm doesn't want to invest their money into a company that won't ultimately turn back, you know, get contracts, generate revenue, and ultimately, ultimately return money to its shareholders and investors. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, uh, effort one is, you know, an analyst at DCBC. Effort two is uh, I'm the contracting expert at Gotham's. Gotham's is a startup consulting firm. That kind of works with some of these venture capital firms like DCBC or ABC. You know, some some of these folks who get this money, these start to get, get the investment money from these venture firms, and then they say, "Okay, what's next?" We we know we have uh, a use case for the government, but I'm an engineer and a founder, and I've never worked with the government before, or I'm a technical founder and I don't know what a Duns number is or what SAM is, or you know, in some cases. I'm a founder and I don't understand the need to work with the U.S. government on, for defense contracting. I don't understand the importance. So I'm the contracting expert at Gotham's where, you know, I teach founders, you know, at the C-suite level about, you know, the, the importance of working with the government, enjoying the defense industrial base and kind of clearing the way, clearing up some of the convoluted nature of what we do is because to them, you know, what is SAM? What is a DUNS number? Why do I need a DUNS number and a CAGE code? What is GSA? You know, what what organizations inside the Air Force actually, you know, would require the goods or services that my startup creates. So that whole that whole consulting piece on the contracting side is kind of where I fit in at Gotham's. My third role, which is probably the most unique role, is I'm the chief of staff for the founder and CEO of Gotham's, who is also a partner at DCBC, which is kind of why I have one foot in each side of the road here. So my boss, Matt Mickelson, you know. I'm his person chief of staff to think about like an exec executive officer for a colonel or a general where I'm with him in the meetings at the big at the big board, big girl tables where deals are getting signed, or you know, we're interacting with high-level government pol- political figures or leaders inside the uh inside of industry. 
So I really had this really unique experience where I get to touch three different roles all towards that same mission of developing dual use technologies, dual use meaning, you know, between commercial and, uh, you know, government use cases. So I get to get to see from the investment piece. I get to see from the consulting to, you know, striving for and winning contracts piece. And then tertiary, I get to see from the leadership piece as, you know, I get to sit with the CEO of the company. Cool. Um, so what, what has surprised you most in working with DCVC and Gotham's? So this might be a bit of, you know, my personal upbringing shining through here, but, you know, I kind of pictured the folks that have the multi-million dollars, the billion dollars, you know, in their portfolio or in their bank accounts. I always kind of picture them as being, you know, mean people that were just trying to out there and make money and, you know, didn't really care about America in the same way that you and I do, Amber, right? Like, you know, I'm an active service member, you know, you're a civil servant. Like we are intimately familiar with national security. We are intimately involved in national defense. And I just assume that most people are just out there trying to make money. And in this sector is so far different than, you know, national security, they just probably don't even care. But, but the biggest thing I've learned is that there's, it doesn't matter how much money you make or what walk of life you come from or what you look like. There are people who care about national security all over the place. There are patriots everywhere. And there are people in this, uh, in this industry who I've met that also care intimately about patriotism and helping out. Like there's, mm-hmm. like I had a conversation this morning with, you know, a very prominent founder and he's like, he told me, yeah, I don't really care about how, how much money we make. I, I want to figure out how to help. Like, how can I help? which I just think that's so incredible. It's because it's just so stark from what I expected. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from the, you know, that, that's just a, like a personal thing. Then what I've learned most uh, on the side of actual business, right? We're all here as mission focused business leaders, but then contracting. But from a business perspective, what I've learned most is that it's really, really, really hard for these venture capitalists to invest money into defense startups or dual use startups, because it's really hard for them to project uh, expected returns or rate of return, right? Mm-hmm. So let me dig into that a little bit. What I mean is the, the venture capital firms or any investor invest their money into a company with the expectation that they'll be able to return multiples of that investment to their investors. Except you and I both know it's really hard to award a contract, right? You have to do your market research, then you have to do your, you know, your solicitation, then you have to award the contract. But that's really complicated when we get into, you know, the different FAR parts or non-FAR based vehicles or the different tools we use or even the different systems you have to log into, kind of alluded to earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing I've learned is it's really hard to invest in this technology, which is vital to national defense, because contract is really hard to understand from their perspective, you know, with no context on, you know, being a contracting ninja, like all of us are. So, so what I've learned is that we really need to focus in on how can you and I tactically and tangibly every day, make our processes as clear and as simple, as concise as possible. That way it's easier for these non-traditional companies like startups or any sort of company that hasn't worked with the government before I want to make it super, super easy for those folks to understand our process 
close to a contract and ultimately uh, win a contract award by being, you know, the best value to the government. Mm-hmm. Because then once we show that these venture capitalists and, and, and these different sorts of investors that, hey, we're awarding contracts in big chunks to these different kinds of companies, it's not all going to traditional defense contractors, even though those uh, traditional partners are extremely important as well. Once we show the investors that we can, that we, the government are giving contracts to these non-traditional, the investors will then see, okay, well, there is a way to project rate of return. There is a way to see that the company that I invest in that does defense, you know, has a defense-based business will return my money, return my investment and ultimately, you know, make my shareholders money. So that for me, it was really enlightening to see tactically how that whole process works. Because I had no idea, you know what I mean? I had no context. I'm mm-hmm. not a startup guy. I mean, I get to sit with a lot of high level people in the industry and the government side, you know, both political and, you know, militarily. But I had no idea how any of it worked. So it's been incredible for me to see that, you know, what I do with my warrant as a KO truly does affect not only the company that I award the contract to and the companies I don't award contracts to, but, but also the companies who are just buying for investment who are in the initial stages, building a company in their garage, trying to get investment from these different investors. Right. So what have you learned from industry that if we could implement it and the government could highly benefit our air force and its missions? Wow. That's a, that's such an amazing question. So I think about that one and I think about all the things that we have to do, right. The different clauses we have to include the different, uh, the different parts of our contracts. I think about all that stuff and it's, it's very difficult, right? Like it's cumbersome. Our solicitations are, you know, hundred pages, 250 pages for whatever project, right. Mm-hmm. Every program. So I think about just the, the manner in which industry on this side within the startup ecosystem really thinks they think about efficiency and and what will actually make sense what can i do as an individual that will help our team win so, so i'm thinking now about or thinking a lot about now is how do you actually make things more efficient so those folks in the startup ecosystem can be effective and actually feel like they're doing something rather than going through the slog of you know having to read 150 pages I'm thinking a lot about now, like the different contracts I've read from B2B, business to business contracts, or B2G at the non-federal level that I've read. They're just more concise. You know, I've seen, you know, RFPs that have been five pages, 10 pages, which like was scary to me at first. I was alarmed. I'm like, wait, what? Like how, <laughs> how is that even possible? You know, because right. obviously, you know, state governance is different or B2B is different. But then, but then when you read, it's like, oh, okay. Like they're just saying, everything that needs to be said, but nothing more. And obviously we had to have certain protections in all of our RFPs and all of our stations in general and contracts for all of our folks. But I think we need to just take an internal look at how can we be super efficient and effective with what we're putting out there on the street and how we're reaching out. Because another thing I think about a lot as well is I think about the government point of entry, you know, beta spam, form the FBO. And that's amazing, right? For everybody who travels there. But non-traditional contractors probably aren't going to travel there if they don't know it's there, right? The, the mm-hmm. folks with the amazing technologies that, we're, that we want to contract with, they might not even know what, what beta SAM is. I'm thinking more about 
you know, where are all these folks located? And what I've learned is everybody interacts on LinkedIn very frequently. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. now, like, how do we post solicitations or maybe post a link to our solicitation that we post on the, on the, the beta SAM? Maybe we start posting those as well to LinkedIn and just sharing them with some of our industry partners, just who we're connected with. Yeah. You know, how, how can we actually reach these folks who just may not know we exist? Like we might be the perfect mission partner for them to build their business. And we and that might be the perfect mission partner for us to build our mission capability or our readiness with. Yeah. And so, uh, you, I mean, you alluded to some of the challenges you've seen, but can you give like some first case examples that you've seen in working with those companies um, of challenges that some of these other companies have had trying to do business with the government? Absolutely. I think a lot of people get conflated in this question with, oh, these are things that we need to fix because we, the government, are bad, or we, the contract officer, are bad, or we, the acquisition team, are slow. But it's really not the case. I I really don't believe that anybody wakes up every day, puts on their uniform, or, you know, takes their cat card out out at the gate as a civil servant and says, you know, I'm going to be bad for next year today. I'm not going to give my best effort. Like, I don't, I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it just comes down to, we don't understand industry and they don't mm-hmm. understand us. So that's right. really been my biggest, uh, my biggest interaction. My big uh, learning point has been, we need to take some time and really think about, okay, what actually is a startup and how, how do they function? What is their lives like? Mm-hmm. While simultaneously also teaching them like, hey, this is this is our life. This is what a contract looks like. This is what it is. This is this is complicated. For example, thinking about who is the contracting officer in charge of program X, right? Let's say, you know, F16 avionics. How do I as a founder figure out who that is? You know, and I look at, I try to look at org charts or I try to Google and obviously like a lot of that stuff is, you know, not on open source, which thankfully sell. But how do we connect these folks? And I, and I lean and I think about, man, just trying to figure out who to talk to about how to do business development within the government is extremely complicated. You know, and, I, and I'm, I'm looking here, Amber, at, you know, some of the emails, you know, I've sent back and forth over the last couple of months of us working together. And I'm looking at your office code. You know, if, if I'm a founder, what does your office code mean? What is a PK? Right. So, so I think taking that, that step towards hyper empathy towards these non-traditional contractors and think, okay, how can I make my processes super easy? So it's super clear that, Hey, I'm a contracting officer and I can help you find, you know, another contracting officer to do business with because we've met on LinkedIn or we've met at a, a spark. So we've met at some sort of industry engagement event. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hard, even with me, you know what I mean? And I've kind of tested this theory a little bit using my government email, reaching out to random contracting officers or random program managers. And it's hard because program manager, contracting officer X and Y have their own requirements to execute. They have their own things to do. Mm-hmm. Like who is this random, you know, LT or captain or, you know, GS12? Like who 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 is this person? Like why why are they asking about you know, what product I'm working on. Like, this is, this is strange. I don't, I have other things to do. I actually have to get this solicitation on the screen or I need to, you know, review this past performance. So thinking more about, about that really, like 
how do you navigate those waters? It's so complicated. And I, and I think that I would, I'm starting to build this thesis around, you know, what uh, Lieutenant Colonel Chase Eisenman and Michael Pillar are doing with the Rapid X program that General Holtz put together about how to connect the different installations, the different uh, OLs to the non-traditional contractors. I think it's quite brilliant. I think that's a major piece about it. So I, I really think the biggest hurdle is trying to figure out who to contact. Yes. Because if you don't know, you don't know. You don't know what PK or what PKA or B or Z means. And every, you know, cons is something different. What's the difference between a, a cons and an S cons or an ESS? Right. Like, it's just so complicated. So I think figuring out who to contact is, is probably the, the biggest hurdle I've seen. And then I think, you know, secondly, is that uh, educational piece where they don't know about us and we don't know about them. But I mean, hats off to, you know, everything General Holt's doing and, you know, everything that you're doing here specifically on this podcast, right? Because that's what, you know, separate lines of effort, that's what you guys are getting after is, you know, how to educate the workforce or educating industry partners to say, hey, this is this is who we are and this is who they are and how do we connect those nodes, which I think is really remarkable. Right. Well, I and you and I have talked a little bit about this offline, but even when I did like the fellowship with that startup company in DC two years ago, you know, I talked to some of their the startups that they were working with and and it was the same thing. You know, they wanted, like you said, they were eager to help solve national security problems. They just wanted to know, like, who can I talk to to help them figure out, you know, ask them what their problems are so I can help them figure out how to solve them, you know. And, and it, they were coming from, it was very refreshing to talk to them because they were eager and they just wanted to know, like, who do, who can I talk to? So I think that's great that, you know, what RapidX is doing, um, it's definitely needed and, and I'm sure it's not easy, but um, it's definitely a necessary piece of this puzzle. And then what people like you are doing, working with these working with these companies and just getting this other perspective, because it helps draw the line between like the people that are, you know, in the program offices or, you know, the contracting officers and the specialists out there that are doing the day-to-day work. Like you said, they don't have time to go necessarily go do all this, this, this deeper work and to figure out what these companies are doing. But if they take from what your experience, what you've had and some of the things that you've laid out, it, help, it helps bring that awareness that at least then they know, oh, I can ask some more questions of, you know, here's some additional companies that might be able to help me out. Let me ask these guys some questions and contact them. Or let me even just look at my process where, you know, I'm putting this solicitation out. If I amend it, you know, several times, is that going to be a pain in the butt for these startups who actually don't have the manning to keep looking at my one particular posting to see if I've changed it so they can make sure they submit it properly? That's an amazing point. You know, just things like that, where it's like, I never even really took that into account until I worked on the other side. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this stinks. If they keep changing this, then we got to keep looking. But we're at, you know, this is just one posting. There's so many other, uh, you know, government customers out there that we're trying to work with and, and all that stuff. So, you know, I think it's important work that you're doing and that you've done and just the fact that you're bringing it bringing it back. Um, and, and so I would definitely want to mention the webinar that you did on May 19th, um, 2021. And so for the Air Force folks out there listening, if you go to Air Force Contracting Central's homepage, on the left-hand side, um, you can scroll down to webinars and click on that. And then you'll see the Demystifying Venture Investing webinar that Captain Deichel did 
Um, and there's two, two separate recordings posted there, but um, I highly suggest that you go and check that out. Some really good information on just goes more in depth into some of the stuff that you've learned and how um, our contracting and our acquisition folks can apply that to what they're doing every day. So what are you taking away from this experience and how will you use what you've learned in your next Air Force position? What have I taken away from this experience? Wow, there, there's so many things I could say. I've really taken, taken away so many things, personally and professionally, everything from, you know, how I carry myself, you know, not not as just a contract, but an actual businessman in industry, because that's what you and I are. We're, we're businessmen and women. And I don't really think of myself in that way until this role. I think about that quite a bit. But what is the biggest thing I take away? I think I'm really going to focus on market research. I, I have this uh, hypothesis that if we actually do rigorous market research, and I know like there's some, I'm talking to some great folks, you know, at AFICC about what they're doing with the business intelligence tool and things of that nature. I, I'm, just, I'm thinking that if we do real market research, not to say anyone's doing, you know, fake market research, but, you know, full disclosure here, you know, when I do market, did market research in the past, you know, sometimes the requirements urgent. It's like, okay, like I got my market research form. Can I get, you know, three, four, five, you know, vendors, you know, written down on this market research form so I can, you know, move out, you know, so I can move out and get something on the street. My mission partners need it. But I think really taking the time to inject quality up front in the market research to really investigate it, you know, and when I say market research, I don't mean just, you know, oh, all right, this company lists that they do this service or they've done the service or provided the widget, you know, to the government in the past, but maybe I need to go talk to some founders who, or go talk to somebody at these companies a little more rather than just, you know, okay, yep, here's my market research email or here's my source of saw. Cool. You know, these, these industry partners responded. Yep. I'm good to go on my form. My KO will sign it. Right. So I'm thinking more about market research. I'm going to do market research much, much better because I'm actively going to work towards finding startups that can fill and not even just startups, but non-traditional contractors that can fill, you know, my program or my, or fulfill my requirements. That way I can award, start getting some of these contracts awarded to these non-traditionals and making it easier for venture capitalists to see the actual rate of return, the expected rate of return from these, from investing in these startups. Because that, that's really where the investment piece is. The investors will not put their money behind companies if they don't think they can make their money back for their shareholders, which makes sense. You know, if I was investing in a fund or in a company, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't just give my money away to a company I didn't know could return and make me money, right? Same thing that you and I do with our TSPs. So I'm going to do market research much better. I'm, I need to really sit down and reflect on, you know, my past experiences with how I've done market research in the past and really think about, okay, what does market research look to John Deichel, contracting officer from this day forward? You know, when, when I put my name on a contract and it says United States of America underneath it, I need to be able to say, okay, I've exhausted every possible avenue to find the most cutting edge technology created by the most elite companies, either young companies or old, either traditional or non-traditional. So I'm, I'm going to really take a hard look at that. So I, while there's many things I could say as, as the biggest takeaways, it, it really just comes down to how do we get more non-traditional contractors on contract building cutting edge technology? Well, you have to increase investment. How do you increase investment by showing investors that, you know, we reward cutting edge technology mm -hmm. with contracts. 
I'm gonna do more market research. I'm, my market research be much more focused. Yeah, and well, and I think it's an interesting point because when you said that, it made me think of like, because are we actually even buying the right things, right? If we just buy the same thing we bought last year and the year before that and the year before that, like maybe we're not getting the best technology or the most capable, you know, things that we or services that we need. Um, because maybe we have a different, maybe we're actually trying to solve a different problem, but since we're trying to just recycle what we've done in the past, um, are we actually gonna meet those needs? And so by, you mentioned talking to some other, you know, companies or startups, you might get a better idea of what new technologies even out there um, that we could buy. Yeah, that, that's a great point. You know, I, I think there's a lot of credence to that argument of what are we trying to buy and is it truly the most cutting edge? Because I mean, I'll be honest here, like as a contracting officer, I don't know the most about aircraft sustainment or right. you know, yeah. satellite procurement. I don't know what a satellite needs to do. I'm, I'm, I'm not that level, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, far part 1002 says, you know, I shall conduct market research and it shall be continuous and ongoing. And I, I've really thought more about that phrase continuous and ongoing like, I don't, I, I don't know that I can agree, you know, with your sentiment about like when I'm, when I'm doing acquisitions, I mean, I don't know if I can agree with your sentiment that I am buying the most cutting edge technology. I don't know that because I'm not doing enough market research. I'm not engaging with market research. I wish we could change far part 10 from market research to market engagement. Just, mm-hmm. just find out, talk to them. Cause you're absolutely right. Cause I, I don't know a lot of times if I'm buying the most cutting edge stuff, which yeah, in some situations, okay, like I, I get it, you know, there's unusual and uh, unusual and compelling circumstances. I got it. In those kind of situations, we're trying to move out and move faster on mission partners. But for our technologically critical uh, programs and offices, yeah, I, 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 th- I think you're right. I think a lot of times we may not know for sure whether we're buying the most cutting edge technology. And sometimes we probably are, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to discount yeah. everyone's efforts here or you know, speak negative about everybody or say that our community is bad or I'm bad as contracting officer. What, what I'm saying is I think we don't know. And if we can't say for sure, yes or no, this is the most elite technology I'm returning to my warfighter because I have talked with this investor, that investor, and these three founders. And they all said, this is the cream of the crop technology. And, you know, I've also read this report and that report that also say that this is the cream of the crop technology. Then I, I don't know if we can say that, which is, which is a daunting thing because obviously all of us are busy and none of us need more work. I know, I know everybody in contracting is super busy, self-included. So no one wants to ask for more work or take more time, but I really think it matters. You know, I had a former commander used to say, if you inject the quality up front, get the efficiency and effectiveness on the back end, and that applies to your acquisitions in your personal life and your professional life. It applies in all things. And I think about that more and more in the context of market research to you know, figuring out if the technology is right, how to get the technology of the mo- of these non-traditional contractors, you know, into our warfighters' hands, which ultimately shows these investors that hey, they need to pour on the money to these non-traditional defense contractors. That way, we can truly, you know, secure national security for the long term. I-, I I think you're right. That's a very good point. Well, and I think, and I'm and I'm with you. Like people are busy, and so this can get a little, I think, overwhelming. If you're like, okay, now you need to go like learn everything, and who's all in the space, and but yet you got to get all these contracts awarded. So I don't, I don't think we're saying that. I think 
I think what we're trying to get to is that, you know, it's worth asking some questions and maybe contacting a couple more people just to, because if anything, you're just going to learn more about what you're actually trying to buy, right? You're going to learn about like, and that goes back to the mission-focused business leaders of understanding your requirement. I mean, if you learn a little bit more about it, that could help you down the line, whether you buy the most, you know, you know, technological can do everything widget or you buy, or you buy, you know, what you originally thought you needed to begin with, because you're like, okay, no, there are things out there can do this other stuff, but this is what we need. And this is what we need to meet the mission. And and it can support what we need. Um, So if anything, I don't, you know, I don't want people to think we're like, oh yeah, you need to go like do this whole other strategy and all this stuff. It's, Really, it's just making yourself more um, educated and familiar with what you're actually buying, um, which is going to help you in your in your procurement, I think, through the long haul. I totally agree. You know, I, that makes a lot of sense. And the thing I would add there is, is something that you and I haven't touched on yet, but you and I have talk, talked about a lot, you know, just individually, is the fact that it's about knowing your requirement, but also knowing the tools in your toolkit. Like for example, before I came down here, I, I didn't really understand, you know, truly what a SIBR was or what an OT was or really what OT even stands for as an other transaction, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's such a vital piece as well as I'm seeing all the tools in our toolkit of like, okay, this may not be the thing that I need today, but I might need this in five years from now. Who can I contact at AppWorks or who can I contact within the R&D community say hey like this might be something that we want to keep an eye on in the future uh, I, I think knowing all of our tools and our, our contract ninja tool belt is so important as well just mm-hmm. you know again shame on me for not knowing those things but you know now that i know i've got to really figure out how to learn more about those and how to learn from more people in our community who, who've exercised those vehicles you know what i mean for sure and, and it's a process i mean i think especially when you're you know, when you're in a different different offices, you try to be the expert in that specific space. And so, so it can be easy to kind of go down the, the uh, path that's already been laid, right? But um, but you've shown like, hey, learning new things, working with different people. I mean, that's how, that's how you do it. And so just by, you know, telling people what you've learned through this podcast and through the webinar, um, I think is great. And so um, just lastly, I just wanted to, um, hit something, a note that I took um, in your first recording of the webinar, and you had said something along the lines of um, what you want contracting folks to take away. And you said, um, we need to award more contracts to startups with good tech. Um, venture capitalists be more likely to invest. It will help build up our industrial base and it will better protect our national security. So can you just give like a little bit of context behind that and how you've seen that happen when, when working with DCBC and Gotham's? Absolutely. Now, the example I'll use here is a, a Gotham's example for a little small COVID testing company called Curative. You know, last March, it was, you know, seven people, seven employees. Mm-hmm. Of the, you know, year to date, they've done, you know, multi-billion dollars in business in the last year. And there's over 7,000 employees right now, you know, from a startup consulting standpoint, uh, Gotham's, you know, we are intimately involved and, you know, I help teach a lot of their capture programs or a lot of their contracting personnel, about what a contract is and how to read it. What, how, how do you read an RFP? How do you respond, et cetera, et cetera. So I think about that situation, right? Cool story. 
But the, the true context there is, well, simply, this company started, Dr. Roper and uh, General Holt with the DAF Act said, hey, we need to figure out COVID testing immediately because it's an emergency, right? Then with curative, then with a couple others for different, you know, testing, it's different, you know, logistics, different, you know, manufacturing capabilities for PPE. And now curative grew into a huge company that provided over 25 million COVID tests nationally, which I think is remarkable. So that, that's the kind of thing that can happen, you know, when we move nimble. I, I would use the DAF Act and General Holt's team as the prime example of, you know, here is a non-personal contractor. There was seven employees, you know, Gotham's came in with a little bit of venture money and a little bit of assistance, a little bit of mentorship and leadership from a different perspective, taught those folks how to get DOD contracts, got a contract with uh, the Department of Air Force and Dr. Roper and General Holt's team. And then, then they used that money and they took off to help, you know, not only provide tests to all of us inside the DOD, but also to, you know, 25 million tests within a year is pretty remarkable. So I think that's a prime example of how we can move more nimbly as a contracting workforce to award contracts to non-traditional contractors or non-traditional contractors, excuse me, which ultimately leads to better national security. Mm-hmm. You know, we could get into more, you know, national security focused, you know, uh, examples, but I think that's the easiest one, the most relevant one based on recency and relevancy, right? For sure. But, you know, when when our workforce puts our minds to it, we can do amazing things. And that is the biggest example of us teaming with the non-traditional defense industrial base to mobilize and help America, even though it was against an internal threat vis-a-vis a virus. Mm-hmm. For sure. No, thanks for sharing that example. That was, that's great. Well, um, Captain Dykel, I want to thank you again for being on the podcast. It's been fun to get to know you, um, you know, in preparation for this, but and it had, I had fun having you on the podcast as well. Yeah. Thanks, Amber. I appreciate all you do. And I, I really do think that what you're doing here with the podcast and what the different folks we've worked with on the webinars, I really think this is the stuff that's going to make a difference. I really adamantly think that Nobody wakes up, puts on their uniform or drives to the gate and says, I'm going to do things that are not in the best uh, effort for national security. I think a lot of people just make mistakes or don't understand. And that's kind of my whole position is I just didn't understand this whole defense industrial based problem or moving Mm -hmm. faster. You know, I've I've seen Dr. Roper and General Holt speak and not really understand. And I've met Colonel Diller and I've seen him speaking on the videos. I don't really understand but I hope that this helps people understand that, hey, this is how to actually move faster. Just go meet the people, go have empathy, think about it from their perspective. Teach them about our perspective, how hard it is to get contractors to come work with us. You know, so I, I really think what you're doing, what the webinar folks are doing, they're truly amazing. So thanks for having me. If you have suggestions for topics or people to interview or feedback on the podcast, you can submit those at the contracting experience at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening to the Contracting Experience Podcast. Until next time, keep connecting to the world around you.